Welcome to Remotely Possible, a podcast about the people shaping the future of work. My name's Adam Riggs, and I'm the CEO of Frameable, a software company that's improving distributed work for Microsoft Teams and Outlook users. We're always looking for leaders, technology innovators, and software partners who might be a good fit as a guest on the podcast. If you have a story to share about creating and maintaining a highly collaborative environment for either hybrid or fully remote teams, we'll share details at the end of each episode of this podcast so you'll know how to get in touch with us. And now, let's dive into our conversation about how real people are making the future of work more successful. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, my guest is Jocelyn Sexton. She is the Vice President of Marketing at Growth Acceleration Partners, a software company based in Austin, Texas, which consults, designs, and builds software solutions as a data solutions partner for their clients. Welcome, Jocelyn. Hi, Adam. Thank you for having me here. You're very welcome. Um, Tell us about GAP, Growth Acceleration Partners. So like you said, Gap, at Gap, we consult, design, and build. We're building custom and revenue-generating software and data solutions for our clients. So we are a technology services company. We have modernization services. We do consulting. And we use a lot of AI tools to help our businesses and help our clients, their businesses, achieve a competitive advantage through technology. So we build and manage remote, integrated engineering teams. and we don't believe that one size fits all in all cases. So, you know, one of our superpowers is that we assemble the right crew, making sure that we're kind of specifically tailoring to our clients' most critical projects. And we kind of have a unique approach to technology product management and project management, making sure that we're aligned with our clients' challenges and needs and goals. Excellent. Uh, So uh, we were talking before, the recording and you told me that Gap has about 650 people uh, and that your headquarters are based in Austin, but you have some other offices too. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, so headquarters is in Austin. We have three offices in Latin America. So one in San Jose, Costa Rica, another in San Carlos, Costa Rica, and then one in Medellin, Colombia. And we have over 600 engineers in Costa Rica, Colombia, and all across Latin America, in addition here to the U.S. So that really helps with staying in the same time zone or very close to the same time zone as our clients because we're we're mostly working with US clients. Yeah, that that is such an important point um, when we're discussing distributed work and and teams that are, you know, spread out around a big country like the United States but really, you know, around the globe, um either north south or east west, um just to manage the time differences is really a challenge you know um i actually had a guest on that talked about how his qa team was intentionally located in asia so that they could qa the code that had been written earlier in the day in america and europe and then by the time america uh the american employees uh woke up the code had already been reviewed. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, like, you know, round the world um, management of the time zones, like getting them to work for you. But you have a different approach, which is let's try and keep everyone in the same time zone and go north-south instead. 
Yeah, and I, I've seen the flip side of that. I've worked in companies where I've managed teams in Asia and in in Europe and South America. South America, you know, always been fine, but especially when you're you're working with Asia and, and Europe, sometimes I would only have two or three hours of in office time with the folks I was working with, and I was having meetings at midnight or you know six a.m. And especially, you know, I have a family, I have two young kids and, you know, it was manageable for a while, but after a while, you know, you don't want to put on your smiley face and be conducting, you know, live webinars at midnight. So it's been really nice for us. The other piece of it is I understand the the QA thing across the world, but if you have questions, if you really want to integrate with the team, if you want to, you know, be agile and quickly solve problems together, that that time zone really does make a difference, and and you know sometimes too just the the understanding of of what's going on. Um, we're not the type of company where hey, I just need one QA engineer to do this. Yeah, one. we we really are more about like building building teams and integrating with the teams that you already have if you already have teams. I am so glad you said that, Jocelyn, and I could not agree with you more. Our company is much more like yours than it is like the one that I described. And, and um, you know, I just couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the, the more integrated the team is, the more product design, engineering, and QA are talking to each other, the better the product and the more elegant the solution, I think. The other yeah, I, approach the other approach can definitely work for, for some types of products and for some teams. So not knocking it all the way. But um, but I, I agree with you that on balance, it's um, it's probably the more integration the better. Well, I think the management, you know, is important too. I think the pandemic kind of forced a lot of folks to realize that managing can be very hard. And if you don't see people face to face, like you have to put a lot of trust into your team that they're doing what they say they're doing. And, you know, you you can't, you know, physically see what they're doing. And, you know, we take some of that management off the table for our clients. So, you know, we have clients that work in, fintech or health tech, or they have their own SaaS products that they're delivering. And because we are managing the team, they don't have to worry about that aspect on it. So they can focus on whatever their core business needs are. And we're kind of taking care of the technology side of it for them. So they don't have to worry about, you know, the management part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the, the art and science of managing remote employees or, you know, employees or team members. Well, I I was going to say it one way. Now I want to say it the other way. So I'll say it both ways. Uh, Managing remote employees is one way to say it, but a better way to say it is collaborating with colleagues you are not physically with. Yeah. Uh, Because we're not just talking about the the boss uh, subordinate relationship. We're really talking about integrated teams with people from on many levels and with many different skill sets uh, collaborating effectively when they're not physically together. Give us a couple of um, of your secrets maybe uh, about how you do this successfully at Gap. How do you how do you minimize the fact that you're not physically together to do this great work? Well, I think one thing that we do and have done from the beginning is is kind of what you were talking about about what what do you call this? We don't use words typically like employees. We, we just say gapsters, whether you are, you know, a senior engineer or, you know, somebody, you know, earlier in your career, we're all gapsters. 
And so mm -hmm. everybody is kind of used to this idea of working remote, working with folks in, in other countries and other teams with other specialties. And so when Gapsters, when people join Gap and work for Gap, they're already kind of understanding and buying in and, and wanting that type of environment. They, they know coming into it that this is how we work and this is how we operate. And for a lot of our Gapsters, it's a really, you know, positive and unique experience because you are getting to work with people from other countries and with other skill sets and other levels of expertise and experience. I spent the first 10 years of, of my career only working with fellow Texans and I'm proud born and raised Texan and, you know, but it was very different for me when I started working for folks outside the U.S., outside Texas, you know, outside of my time zone. And I, I love it, but, you know, it, it can be a challenge if that's not what you want or if that's not what you're expecting. Yeah. Gapsters come in knowing that. Um, yeah. So a bit, bit of a self-selected group. Uh, they know what they're getting into. You're very clear about that when you hire them. This is how we work. This is how we work with each other. This is how we work with our clients. And and if this is a good fit for you, it's because that's appealing to you. So is it right that you're really being transparent about that up front? Yeah, being transparent, but then also being really, you know, rigorous. I, you know, I'm also in charge of, of recruiting marketing. And part of me wants to be like, come work at Gap. You know, we're, we're a great place to work. And we are. But sometimes I almost feel like it's a little misleading because it's, it's hard to get on at Gap. We we only take the, the best of the best. We have a very rigorous, you know, interview process and, you know, it, it has to be mutually agreeable. We want you, you want oh, us, of course. You, you fit. Um, we, we also have, um, I, I think it's a little unique. We, we call it the two in a box delivery model and meaning like two people in one box. So we have project management and engineering teams based in Latin America and the U.S., working together as one unit. So both teams have a really deep understanding of our clients' needs and our goals, and it kind of allows them to serve as, as guides and tactical problem solvers instead of a, just a bunch of new people that you have to constantly onboard. So we, we kind of think of our client engagement like putting together an elite team. Every member is kind of picked for their role based on what they're great at and what the project needs, and we're all aimed at achieving that client's goal. But you have two people that are are responsible both for like the the client success part of it, but then also the very technical piece of what's being delivered. Mm -hmm. I understand. I understand. Um, let's talk about your your equipment and the software that you use every day to yeah. manage your um, your workflow and to um communicate with your distributed colleagues so let's start with your desk jocelyn what is on your desk uh and what is in your office so i'm lucky enough to have my own dedicated home office my husband and i used to share an office and then you know i'm i'm on calls and on camera sometimes six hours a day and that was difficult to be in the same room together so i have my my own dedicated space i usually have my year and a half old yellow lab i i feel like he's still a puppy but he's 90 pounds so it's it's deceiving i have all my colored pens and my my notepads and my sticky notes and then i have two 
giant screens in addition to my laptop screens. So, okay. you know, lo- lots of lots of camera rooms so that I can have yep. spreadsheets on one and a browser on the other. Uh-huh. And similar to our engineers, you know, our clients use a lot of different tools to communicate. So obviously email, but we have Teams, we have Slack, we have, uh, we use the Google platform, but we also use Microsoft products. So we're able to kind of bounce and forth between how we communicate, what tools we use, what what vehicles we use for creating and, and storing our documents. Most typically for me, I'm, I'm on Slack most of the day and I'm on, on email a lot. Uh-huh. What about, um, what about, uh, in, I, I know that when you, when you're working with a, a customer and they say, we need to use zoom or we need to use something in particular, you're going to use it, but for your internal video comms, what do you use? We use zoom, we use Google meet and we use the, the internal things built into Slack. So they have like Slack huddle. Got it. Got it. And, for and we chat, really do, we really Slack. do use yeah, Slack for chat. And we really do use all those video components because I do think there's a preference for some folks. You know, some of the, the folks I work with in Costa Rica are more inclined to use X, whereas some of my American counterpart, counterparts are more inclined to use Z. And yeah. so I've, I've gotten really good at figuring out, you know, where to position my head in the camera on Teams versus Google Meet versus... I see. <laughs> That's very uh, that's that's a high degree of precision optimization, huh? Depending on the platform, not just uh, where the camera is, but also positioning and things, huh? Exactly, and and yeah. you know, part of it is because we want to serve our clients well, and and part of it is because I'm I'm more inclined to be like, you know, whatever method works for you. Like some people are going to be more like, no, I only try to do calls on Teams or something like that, and I'm I'm a bit more agnostic, I suppose. Right, right, right. So what are your thoughts, Jocelyn, about the now several year old um, sort of post-COVID emergency discussion about returning to the office? You know, uh, we're not in the middle of a global pandemic and medical emergency anymore. I think um, it's also fair to say that the you know expectations of the workforce have changed fundamentally. Um, your company is almost entirely distributed. What do you what do you think when you read articles about um, executives that are insisting on five days a week in the office, just like it's 2019? Or what do you think about um, companies that are announcing you know an official hybrid? approach where they would like someone in the office maybe two days a week, but they understand that there's a there's a bigger expectation for flexibility now than there was, say, five years ago. Yeah, I <laughs> you, you can't see my face right now, but I'm, I'm I have a little bit of a Cheshire cat smile because <laughs> I have very big thoughts and opinions on that. And, and many of them are probably not appropriate for a podcast. Um, I, I I think it's a little ridiculous. I, I think a lot of people have proven over the last two and three years that they are capable of, of working remote. And I, I don't see the reason why a lot of people need to be in the office. My husband works for a company where he has to be in the office three days a week and he does not work with anybody in Austin. So he is 
driving into the office, using his time, using his gas, using his Mm -hmm. money Mm -hmm. to sit in a cube and talk on. I don't, I don't know what they use. I think they use teams. He's Mm -hmm. talking on teams to people from across the country, but he's doing it in an office rather than from his home office. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I just think that's kind of stupid. And and what, what do you, what's the, what, what, how does he describe the justification that he is given about why that's the right requirement? It's all the buzzwords. It's, oh, well, we're collaborating and we're enabling and it's, I mean, to me, it sounds like yada, yada, yada. They don't they don't have a good reason for people like him mm-hmm. who don't have people in their city that they're working for. Mm-hmm. And the kind of company that he works for, it, it wouldn't make sense to centralize them anyway, because they are a national company, national company that needs boots on the ground across the country. So they can't put everybody in Dallas or in New York or, right. or wherever. Right. They, they need to be all over the place. Um, for me too, personally, I, you know, I used to spend, I mean, as many as three hours a day on the road, going back and forth to an office. Um, especially now with daylight savings time, I sometimes had maybe an hour of daylight with my children, and, you know, that was a choice. I guess I kind of sort of made by living where I live and working where I worked, and the office environment was, you know, it was it was fun or as much fun as work can be, but I am so much more productive at home. I can't tell you how many times when I was working in an office, we would, you know, chat in the break room or you would hang on somebody's door frame and, and chat with them for a while. I, I miss the conversations. I, I miss getting to know people in that way, but I'm not being paid to to be best friends with somebody. I'm, I'm being paid to do the work and I'm much more proficient doing the work at home, I can mm-hmm. get up and do what I need to do. I can take breaks if I need to take breaks, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm getting things done here at home. Let, let's let's talk about the the difference between a scheduled interaction, you know, something that's on your calendar, and an unscheduled interaction. Um, and let's say that there are different types of unscheduled interactions. There are unscheduled social moments like the one you just described where you're hanging in the door and just talking about the weekend. Um, But then there are also uh, unscheduled moments that are really, really professionally productive and important, right? Maybe an update in the hall or something. So can you just tell us how you think about that spectrum of interaction types and, and how do you, how do you manage to give yourself enough of all of those when you are remote. So I honestly think that that it's actually a little bit better being remote because when I was in person, sometimes I would wait until I would see somebody, you know, before before all these communication tools became as prevalent as they were. Some of the people that I worked with weren't going to be on it anyway. You know what I mean? They, they were in meetings or they were doing stuff or they're like, oh, you know, I don't use that. They, they, they weren't forced to use it. And so I sometimes had to wait until I would, you know, physically catch somebody in the hallway or wait until I had the meeting with them Wednesday at two o'clock. Now, if if I have a question, I can ask immediately and I can get answers. I can get feedback. I, I can do whatever needs to be done very, very quickly. I, I tell my team all the time, don't wait, ask. And I know people have different ways of, of dealing with this. I, I have somebody I work with who 
really does not want to be interrupted when they are in meetings. They, they don't they don't want to get the Slack messages during that time. But for me personally, and I've shared this with my team and, and everybody I work with, you can Slack me at, at any time. If I am here and able to, I will I will answer. If you have something that I need to to do that's going to be more than a one sentence response, email is probably the better tool for me because I don't delete or archive emails until it's done. And so it, it kind of stays there, whereas Slack and Teams, they, they can get so busy and you, you can kind of lose what you were asked to do. But I really like that that my, you know, the people I work with can immediately ask me a question, get an answer. It makes us so much more efficient because we're not waiting around for the answer. That makes that makes total sense. Uh, we probably have time for one more question. I'm going to um, make it a really hard one. Um, so what is an unsolved problem in your daily work that you think connects to the tools you use? You talked about how you use a, a wide variety of tools. You're not like explicitly and only using Microsoft products or Slack or, you know, or Zoom or WebEx, et cetera. Like you, you use all the products that are out there on the market. So uh, for your workflow, there must be some moments or types of friction that are just really regular and bother you. Right. And so since you're an experienced um, distributed worker and distributed um, team manager, um, I would love to hear what are what's one or two of those where you're just, you know, you're using all the modern tools, you're very experienced, but you still notice this one part is just frustrating. Right. That, that is a hard question to answer. And I, I don't feel like I have a very professional or HR appropriate response, but. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but I, I can give it. Uh, you're not able to, to like, you know, hug a coworker who's having a, a hard time or like, you know, mm, see them yes. face to face and really realize like, I, I think there's so much that you can tell from, from body language or just, mm -hmm. I, I have the kind of face that, you know, you can tell exactly what's going on in my head. Mm -hmm. And e even being on camera, sometimes you, you miss out on some of those, those nuances. You, you may be able to see the person's face, but what you don't realize is they're picking apart their cuticles or they are, you know, sweating or bouncing or, or something. It, it's hard to pick up on those very innate personal details. And sometimes, you know, when you've done really good, like you really want to give somebody a high five and the, the high five emoji icon thing on all these platforms. It's yeah. Not, it's not the same. It's not the same. I agree. I agree. So, <clears throat> Yeah, I understand your answer is being totally reasonable and appropriate. Like you're you're saying that um, you can be on camera, but it still doesn't give you the same rich information set that you get by being in someone's physical presence, and yeah. that that is um, a bit of a drag, right? I, I totally agree. Um, well, and I've, I've had the opportunity to 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 mentor a lot of um, folks who are earlier in their career. I've, I've been doing this for over 20 years and I, I feel like I kind of had like a, a different path than most. And so I have a very soft spot for especially young women in their career who want to do something more, but they just can't quite figure out how to do that. And I think there's something just really nice about sitting, you know, close together, almost like 
not need a need, but, you know, having this, this psychological safety of opening up about your goals and what you're trying to achieve and what you're afraid of or whatever that may be. It's sometimes hard to build that, that kind of mentor relationship or that friendship when you can only see each other on camera, that, that takes some, some time and some nuance. But, but you, you, I expect that you would do this as well. I mean, the, the best practice these days for largely distributed teams or, or, or even teams that have, you know, hybrid departments, et cetera, is to try and do offsites together and bring people together who are not typically together to try and uh, catch up a little bit in that category. Do you yep. do things like that? Yes, we have. Yeah. And I, yeah. I do it at my current job. I did it at, at former jobs. And that's, you know, I for as much as I don't want to be in an office every day, I love going in occasionally yeah. when it's needed for specific, you know, events, specific meetings. And I love, you know, being able to, I'm, I'm going to Costa Rica in December and I'm, I'm so excited to see my team and just, you know, catch up with all the little things that we don't do during our normal meetings. Human to human. Yep. Exactly. Jocelyn Sexton is the Vice President of Marketing at Growth Acceleration Partners. Jocelyn, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. I'm your host, Adam Riggs, and I'd like to thank you for listening to Remotely Possible, the podcast about distributed work and the people who make it possible. Remotely Possible is sponsored by Frameable, a software company with a mission of making virtual collaboration feel as easy as turning around and talking to each other. Learn more at Frameable.com. To become a guest on an upcoming edition of Remotely Possible, head over to Frameable.com slash podcast and introduce yourself. If you know someone who'd be a great guest, tag them on social media and let them know about the show and include the hashtag Remotely Possible. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it on your social networks and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Your likes, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and to our team. Want to know how Frameable Spaces helps Microsoft Teams and Outlook users collaborate more effectively? Visit our website, frameable.com, or follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.